You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. Good morning to the 1120. If you're from Minnesota or Alaska or Antarctica, we, we don't know how, how you do this. Michigan, yeah, a little snow up there in Michigan as well. And I know that all of you Antarcticans and people from Michigan and Minnesota and Alaska, I know you're laughing at the panicky Texans right now of like, we may have 0.005% even chance of snow and we're freaking out. We're, we're rushing H-E-B. We're like putting chains on our tire. We're, we're, we've got firewood to last us until June. Like it's, I'm certain that you're laughing at us and, and honestly, rightfully so. So Paul was writing to, to young Timothy about, about the church. And he says, you see this on the screen behind me, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture. And then you, you should be able to read that. Also devote yourself to exhortation and devote yourself to teaching. And then in Hebrews chapter 10, we don't know exactly who wrote Hebrews, the Holy Spirit inspired, I think it was Barnabas, but the Holy Spirit inspired the author of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10, and, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and stir up one another to good works, not neglecting and to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Then when Luke was writing the book of Acts, in Acts chapter two, this is the beginning of the church, Acts 2, 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. They devoted themselves to praying together. Something interesting about all three of those verses. First of all, they speak of devotion, commitment. In fact, the word devote is used in the first passage, Timothy passage is also used in the Acts passage. But you kind of see the word commitment, if you will, the idea of commitment, the idea of devotion in the Hebrews passage as well. The other interesting thing about all three of those passages is that they involve us. There's a plurality of persons in, in each of those passages. There's a sense of community. There's the sense of, of, of togetherness. There's a gathering of, of Christ followers. And so in the First Timothy passage, Paul speaks of the public reading of, of Scripture and that we should exhort one another, exhort each other, or that means to, to encourage, to admonish each other. And also people are teaching people. So you see in that Timothy passage is a picture about about community, the community of, of believing people. In the Hebrews passage, it's very plain because we have the, the plural pronoun here, let us. And then phrases like one another and meet together and encouraging one another. And then we see in, in the Acts passage, they devoted themselves, plural. So again, we've seen this Acts passage that people are, are teaching people. They're fellowshipping together. They're, they're breaking bread together. They are praying together. So where are we headed in, in the year ahead when it comes to, to teaching and to sermon series? As we gather together to hear what God would say to us. By the way, the people of God have been doing this since the days of Moses. When they gathered in close to see what God would say to them. So we begin a brand new sermon series next Sunday called Loudmouth. And it's about the life of, of Peter. 
the, the loudmouth disciple. And probably of all the disciples, he is the one that most of us in this room we relate to the most. Um, often Peter would say things and he would think about it afterwards. He was a little impetuous to, uh, to certain statements and certain actions. And so we're gonna look at the life of Peter together, maybe to learn some things from, from his life, maybe some things to do, maybe some things not to do. And then we begin a, a series after that called Bridge Maker. And it's gonna be out of 2 Corinthians chapter five, how, how Jesus made a bridge for us to know the Father. But what Paul writes about in 2 Corinthians chapter five is that also now you and I are to be bridge makers to others, to point them to the gospel. But we are to build bridges to, to the future generation. We're to build bridges to the unchurched. We're to, to build bridges to, to the lost. And so we're gonna be in a series called, called Bridge Maker. What it looks like not only for Christ to be that bridge for us, that we might have access to the Father, but also that you and I would make bridges to point others to, to Jesus. Then it's Easter time, and we're gonna be in a series called Made New. Because when, when Jesus rose from the dead, three things happened. The Father was glorified. He proved himself to be the Son of God. And thirdly, we now can be made new. And so we're gonna look at that sermon series together in, in Easter. And then the next one I'm really excited about, we're calling it Kinsman Redeemer. We're just gonna walk verse by verse through the book of Ruth. And it is a powerful book. It is a beautiful book, strong narratives in that book. And in almost every page, maybe even every, every few verses, you begin to see, uh, see Christ. You begin to see Jesus, Jesus who is our Kinsman Redeemer. In the month of May is gonna be a series called The Triumphs of His Grace. And we're gonna look at the grace of Jesus. We're gonna see the grace of his arrival. We're gonna see the grace of his teaching. We're gonna see the grace of his death and his resurrection. Then we're gonna see the grace of his, of his return. And then this summer, it's already summertime, we're gonna be in a series called Faithfully. And we're gonna walk verse by verse to the book of 2 Timothy together to see what God would say to us through that very stout, very rich book. And then all of a sudden it's, it's fall, it's fall semester 2024. So we're in a series called Impossible, but you'll notice that the IM is crossed out there. So basically the sermon series is possible. And we're gonna go through the gospel of John and see every time Jesus accomplished something that was seemingly impossible to do. Basically, I could have called this sermon uh, The Miracles of Jesus and the Gospel of John. Thomas Jefferson's gonna hate this sermon series, by the way, because it's all the supernatural things that Jesus did. And then we go into October with a series called Remnant. And we're gonna walk verse by verse through the great and sometimes mysterious Old Testament book of Malachi and see over and over again that God is a covenant-keeping God. He always has a remnant to whom he is, he is faithful in his covenant. Even when we're faithless toward him, he remains faithful toward his people. And so that would be the months of October and November. And then we find ourselves Christmas of 2024, uh, in a series called Unto Us. And we will solely be in the ninth chapter of, of Isaiah in, in December. And so that's, that's where we're headed as, as God's people, as we gather together around the word of God. Let's talk about our church family and about the future of Jesus' church here at Highland. 
we have seen some unbelievable present graces that the Lord has done for us. That includes, first of all, 20% growth in this church last year compared to the year 2022. Want to know what the numerics uh, looks like on, on, on that? That's 550 people more per Sunday on average in 2023 than we saw in 2022. There's about 550 people in this room right now. So basically last year we grew an 1120 gathering just in a 12 month window. That's a present grace of God. Another present grace of God that we have seen is numerical growth and even exponential numerical growth in preschool, in kids, in special needs, we're gonna to begin to call that Shine this year. Shine is our special needs ministry. In middle school ministry, in high school and college students. And again, not just some growth, but significant growth in, in all of those areas. I look at some pictures that are on the screen behind me and in front of you, that the top two pictures are some of our preschoolers, some of our, our little ones, elementary school, uh, in, in their classrooms, learning about Jesus, learning about scripture, learning about uh, the character of, of God. But in the bottom left-hand picture that you see on the screen, that is our high school junior girls. And we've run out of space for them in, on the, in the student ministry wing of, of the education building. So that's actually them meeting behind the stage over here. Uh, we call it the blue room. It's right next to the, the, the baptism area. So that's on Wednesday nights, they're having to meet in there because there's, there's no more space for them. Uh, sweet group of girls. They're very kind to get on all those couches and, and study God's word, but there's not a place for them otherwise. But maybe my favorite picture up there is the bottom right picture. That is our brand new middle school ministry that really just launched by itself about five months ago, separated out from the high school ministry. The reason I want you to see that is because it's filled at times with 90 middle schoolers uh, during the week. And you don't know this from this picture, but that's them meeting in the basement um, here at Highland. Kind of... I almost said standing room only, seating room only uh, in there. And you can see, I, I can't think of any ministry that's more fun and taxing than middle school ministry, right? Maybe more messy. That might be the only other word I could, I could throw in there. But the Lord has, has given us a present grace of kids, of, of preschoolers, of, of shine ministry, middle school ministry, high school ministry, college ministry. But how about this for an interesting grace from the Lord? Six of the largest attendances in the 100-year history of Highland took place this past fall semester of 2023. So we have a church that's 100 years old, and actually, we're good Baptists. We can track all those numbers since 1923. <laughs> Six of the largest attendances in our 100-year history took place in the last four to four and a half months. By the way, this is definitely present grace of God. Not way to go leadership team, way to go preachers, way to go pastors. It's not even like pat ourselves on the back, way to go Highland. Every good gift comes from the Father. He is the one that supplies us with, with these graces and with these blessings. And so we see this, these unbelievable present graces. What that has done it is has created an interesting present situation. Present graces have created an interesting present situation, including overflowing numbers in, in two of our three gatherings. Um, the 840 gathering, the, the 10 o'clock gathering, if you've been in those before this past few semesters, 
you know, at 10 o'clock, you, you can't find a seat. You may have to be in the lobby. Even at 8.40 at times, it's hard to find any seats together. Um, 11.20, this is why we love 11.20. You can come here and find a seat. You can lay down if you want to in a row, row, row of seats. It's a, it's a great place to be. But, but you're, this is the numbers that the church has been growing in the last 12 months. It's represented by all the people in, in this room. Uh, there's a picture on the screen you see now. This was actually last Sunday morning. Now, granted, we had one gathering last week. We were all together. And if you haven't been at the 10 o'clock gathering, you may not know this, but this is what the 10 a.m. gathering looks like every Sunday during the semesters. I mean, packed with people, filled with people. Um, there's been several Sundays this past year at 10 o'clock where people stood along the back wall the entire hour plus of the gathering. They had a hard time finding a place in the lobby. They couldn't find seats in, in this room. And so there have been some Sundays. Uh, one of them was uh, the beginning of December. One was the end of, of November, the middle of November, where we had about 15 to 20 people just stand the entire time because there wasn't a place for them. Second present situation is that we have some overcrowded rooms now, as, as evidenced by some stories earlier in the pictures earlier. Some overcrowding in our preschool, some overcrowding in our elementary school, some overcrowding in our shine ministry, special needs, overcrowding in middle school, high school. And so even though it's fun to, to look out and see families bringing kids and seeing teenagers being here, we're starting to see those classes get to a point where they're, where they're actually overcrowded. It has also meant, of course, some of y'all have experienced this, an overfilling of, of the parking lot. Um, 11.20, if you're normally at 11.20, you may not have experienced that as much, but at 8.40 and 10 o'clock, we certainly experienced it. I received more emails this past fall semester as it pertains to parking. Now, I will say none of them were mean-spirited, none were ugly, none were, were, were unkind at all, but emails for the first time of people who said, I tried to come to Highland and there was no parking for me. So we circled a few times, couldn't find a place, and so we just, we just went back home. I had one person email me uh, back in September they said, we had some friends who were going to meet us here. We were so excited about them coming and worshiping with us at Highland, and they got here and could not find a place to park. So the, 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 the present graces also produce this present situation of, of overflowing, of overcrowded, and overfilling. And so today, I want to roll out to you a campaign of initiatives called Future Generations where we consider, consider together as a church family the generations that are, that are coming behind us. We consider the kids, the special needs, the preschool, middle school, and high school. This initiative of future generations has five components to it. The first one is this. Let's, let's build a student building. A, a two-story, 13,000-square-foot student building uh, that would house our middle school ministry as well as our, as our high school ministry. Uh, a brand new student building would allow us to have upward of 400 students, giving plenty of room to grow. 200 students on the first floor, 200 students on, on the second floor. We would put our student ministry offices out there, small classroom breakout uh, places for our students, a hangout space, have a couple of kitchens over there as well, including a caterer's kitchen so we can have special events uh, there in the student ministry building. You may be thinking right now, hey, hey Durham, like where, where in the world can we put a 13,000 square foot building uh, on a campus that is landlocked and surrounded by people? Super glad that you asked that because there's a footprint uh, you see on the next screen. It's actually gonna be directly behind me. Uh, we do have an area of, of grassy space directly behind me, directly in front of you, 
is that blue spot that you see, that blue square that you see on, on the screen. Uh, we can put a two-story building there. Contractors have already looked at that, 13,000 square feet. Uh, on that footprint, you're in the yellow part right now. This, that's the life center that's directly on top of uh, the, the blue building. The blue building would be between where I am and the cul-de-sac uh, behind me. We're able to, to do that. It'll fit there to, to house a growing number of the demographics and the population of Highland, which is, to the glory of God, middle school students and high school students. There's a rendering you see now of what that would look like being attached to the back of the Life Center. Uh, the same architect that designed the Life Center is the same architect that's designing the student building. Um, it'd be able to be streamlined. The roof lines would be similar. The facade would be similar. So you can kind of see in the little yellow dots there on, on the screen uh, where our student building would, would, would be, what that would look like. The cost to that is $3.5 million. That's the building, that's all the technology, that's all of the furnishings as well. Uh, but we feel like that would be an important thing to, to do. The second initiative then is very related to the first initiative. We need to redesign, let's redesign our education building. With the students leaving the first floor of the education building and going to their brand new $3.5 million student building, it frees up all the space on the first floor of the education building. So we would move all of our ABFs, our adult Baba fellowships, to the first floor of the education building as well as to the wellness center where it is now under the chapel where the middle schoolers are now. We'll make sure we clean it before the ABFs go there. And then of course the first floor of the education building. So it opens up some space for our adults to go there. Since ABFs will be moving off the second floor as well, that opens up the second floor to be fully dedicated to preschool and preschoolers only. And so that will become an entire suite, two wings on the second floor of the education building will be dedicated space to our preschoolers. And again, with adults moving off of the third floor, going to the first floor, it lets us have the entirety of the third floor dedicated to our kids' ministry as well as to our, our shine ministry, our special needs. In fact, our shine ministry, because it is growing also exponentially, we need to add more space for our special needs, our, our shine ministry, and get some furnishings for them as, as well. The cost of that would be $1.25 million to, to make sure the first floor is set for um, the adults, to make sure the second floor is set for preschoolers, to make sure the third floor is set for our kids and our shine ministry. So what would happen on the second floor? You see some pictures of this on the screen. Our second floor then, we would collapse the fellowship hall and we would turn that into six brand new rooms for our preschoolers. The adults who meet there presently will move down to the first floor and open up that entire second floor for preschoolers and six new classrooms which are needed in our preschool ministry. Moms and dads, you might be appreciative of the fact as well that we're gonna put some new doors on the hallway up there on the second floor just for some added, added security. And then you see a, a slide about the third floor. The third floor, because the adults will be moving off the third floor as well to the first floor and other spaces, it'll allow the third floor, again, to be entirely dedicated to our kids' ministry and our shine ministry. That allows the kids' ministry to have three brand new rooms uh, upstairs on the third floor, allows us to expand uh, our shine ministry's rooms as well as to purchase some specialty furnishings for shine uh, for our, our special needs ministry. Again, the, the cost and all that would be $1.25 million, but it allows us to, to use that building that was built in 1988, redesign it, refresh it, refurbish it, and have it ready for adults, preschool, and kids. 
Third part of the initiative of this campaign would be add more parking. Amen, add some more parking. And so here's how we're gonna do that. To purchase some lots that are contiguous to our church campus, adjacent to our church campus, uh, to purchase a couple of homes, uh, to raise them, uh, to pave them, to stripe them, and to add, add some parking uh, that would be close in to our church. That's what happened uh, here at Highland about 18 years ago. There was a purchasing of, of multiple homes so that we could have the parking that we do have. The goal would hopefully be to add about 85 to 100 spaces in the purchasing of these homes, purchasing um, of these lots. Um, 85 to 100 spaces, let's say theoretically that they're used three different times on a Sunday morning at 8.40, at 10 o'clock, and 11.20. A Lifeway research says that the normal American will come to to church with two people um, in, in a car. So basically, that's about 600 people when you say 100 spaces times two people times three different gathering times on a Sunday morning. That's, that's 600 spaces. Now, I know that's theoretical, uh, but it'd be a lot better than, than what we have at, at present. Uh, the purchasing of those lots, the purchasing of, of the placement of those spaces would be another $1.25 million dollars. And you may be thinking right now, and rightfully so, $1.25 million for 85 to 100 spaces sounds really expensive, and it is, unless you extrapolate it out by not just 2024, but the next 10 years, the next 20 years, the next 30 years. So this weekend, I got a calculator out, which is a very dangerous thing for me, and I started adding up the cost of the $1.25 million divided by 100, um, and then saw that as three different times for a gathering with two different people. And by the time we get 30 years from now, I'm hoping to probably be seeing Jesus face to face by that point, and 30 years from now, those parking places are just 11 cents a piece. What a deal. But first, we have to pay the $1.25 million on the front side to, uh, to get there. The fourth thing, this is a little bit of a grenade, so brace yourself. You'd be adding a, a 4 p.m. gathering, adding a fourth gathering on Sunday to give people the opportunity to, to gather one more time. Uh, maybe Sunday mornings aren't ideal for them, but, but a 4 p.m. would be great. So we'll be starting a 4 p.m. gathering on the last Sunday of August of this year. We'll be asking about 300 people from the 8.40 and the 10 a.m. to move to the 4 p.m. So hopefully about 150 pioneers from the 8.40 and 150 pioneers from the 10 a.m. to go to the 4 p.m. So it could be a collection of some energy of some people being there. If you're a normal 11, 20-year, stay right where you are. Please don't move. We want you here in the 11.20. There is still space, of course, to grow. Uh, In in the 11.20, you can look around and see that, but we believe that adding a 4 p.m. gathering gives us a potential. This is one of the notes on the screen. It helps us to reach a potential congregation that we have not met yet. It allows us, perhaps, to to reach a demographic in our city, a slice in our city, that probably would not come to church on a Sunday morning. Maybe they're out of town. Maybe they're working. Maybe they're busy. Maybe they're not morning people. Probably a lot in this room. Your, your testimony or your upbringing was very similar to mine. Uh, I was raised in the church. My dad was the pastor, so I had to be at church. And it was Sunday morning. And a lot of you in the space today, you would think Sunday morning is for church. But you know, that's not true of non-believers in Waco they don't immediately connote or associate Sunday morning to, to worship time. And when was the last time someone said, hey, I'd love to see you uh, on a weekday morning at, at eight o'clock. Let's meet up together and, and worship in a big room. 
but there may be some interest from some people in our city that if you were to invite them to a 4 p.m., it allows them to be with their family that morning, maybe have a brunch that morning, uh, maybe get back into town, maybe recuperate from a long Saturday night, and they might be more interested in coming to, to a 4 p.m. So we're looking for 150 pioneers from the 840, 150 pioneers from the 10, and zero from the 1120 to go to, uh, to the 4 p.m. Uh, for us to be able to con- continue to, to grow. And, and that, that's the prayer, Highland, that we would, we would reach a congregation that we have not reached. And so I'm not asking for us to think about present Highland being placed into future Highland. I'm asking us to prayerfully consider future Highland being placed into future Highland. So it's not old wine being put into, into new wineskins. It's new wine placed in new wineskins. To consider what God may have for us now, I, I'm imagining one of the pushbacks um, we'll get or potential questions we'll get is what if that 4 p.m. has like five people in it and no one wants to go to the 4 p.m.? Um, if after a year and a year and a half, it's dwindled from seven people to five people, we'll probably go back to the drawing board and, and see what else God may have for us. I do want to be very clear. Everything I share today is our best guess on what God's will may be for us. I mean, that, that's the best that we can do is, God, this seems to be how you're leading the, the leadership, the elders, the staff. This seems to be what you're doing in the life of our church. So adding a fourth gathering really is about creating space. It's about reaching the unreached. It's about reaching out to the unchurched, about reaching out to, to the lost. You see, the churches in America who create space for new people, those churches live. And the churches who refuse to create space for new people, those churches die. And it happens all throughout our nation every, every single year. The fifth initiative would, would be this, to buy three new homes for Waco, Mission Waco's brand new Creekside development. Uh, Mission Waco purchased a tract of land uh, back in June where they'll be building homes um, for homeless citizens of Waco, for homeless veterans in Waco, for the marginalized citizens in Waco. And so we want to be a part of that. There's a good possibility we'll probably be tearing down three older homes in our neighborhood to make way for some parking. And so it only makes sense that we'd also would purchase and buy three new homes for this new Creekside development that Mission Waco is putting together. I called John Calloway this week and we, we talked through uh, this new development and told him what we we're going to do today, that we plan to raise some money that, that these coming seasons uh, for those homes. And he was so excited, even maybe a little bit thrown off. And he said, I hope that that becomes then the catalyst for other churches in Waco to also build homes here on the Creekside Creekside Estate. The cost for that would be $145,000 for for three homes that we'd be able to minister to and and build a bridge to the marginalized, to some homeless citizens here in in our city. So what's the cost of all this? Some of you got your calculator out about 10 minutes ago and you've been adding this up. Some of you who are mathematically minded, you already know exactly what that number is. So let's just kind of walk through this again. A student building, a brand new student ministry building would be $3.5 million. A redesigned education building would be $1.25 million. More parking, options for parking would be another $1.25 million. The cost of the 4 p.m. gathering is really just... Um, 
Pastor John is gonna lose some more hair, but in heaven, I'm gonna have a full head of hair there. So I'll just look for that one, one day. Really, there's, there's not much cost at all to the 4 p.m. We already have the seats, we already have the place, we already have the microphone, we already have the people ready to go for that. And the cost of the homes, again, $145,000. And we've added a $30,000 amount in there as well, just kind of for the cost of this campaign, the cost of, of printing things, the cost of mailing things, the cost of putting this campaign together. So you see the total amount there is $6.175 million. A big number except for God. And maybe a, a, a big number for looking around this room thinking, how in the world can, can we do this? I know all the information I've given you this last 15 minutes is a lot to absorb. I mean, it's a lot to, to consider. It's a lot to pray through. It's a lot to seek God on for counsel, for, for guidance, for his continued grace toward us. So church members, you'll be getting a packet in the mail in the next few weeks. And if you're a regular attender, you'll get that same packet in the mail. It'll kind of be a booklet of some of the things uh, that we've talked about, plus a whole lot more of the details, a lot of FAQs in there that, you may be, that may be swirling through your mind even right now and a way for you to give. We're, we're gonna encourage people to either give a one-time gift or to give over the course of 18 months every month. Or of course, you're welcome to do both. You're welcome to give a one-time gift and also give monthly over the course uh, of 18 months. But we'll, we'll see what, what, what God would, would have for this. In fact, even beginning last night, there is now a drop down on the platform for all of our giving platforms to give to future generations. And so you may want to wait between now and February 11th to pray this through, to consider this. Or you may be willing even right now, because we need some seed money to kind of get this thing started. You might be willing to give to future generations through our website, through the kiosk, so we can kind of start moving forward on connecting in with, with the new generation, connecting in with all these present graces that God has given. It's Acts chapter 20, verse 24, that resides heavily on my heart. I hope that Acts 20, 24 will reside heavily on the heart of Highland. Here's what it says, but I do not account my life of any value. I do not count it as, as precious to me. Only this, that I may finish my course and finish the ministry that the Lord Jesus Christ has given me. What's that ministry? To testify to the gospel of God's grace. What if we came to a place, Highland, what if we did individually, what if we did corporately as a church family, if we came to a place and thought, you know what, my own life, I just don't count it as precious I don't really count my own life the way I want to live life as having this high value. Here's what I count as precious. Here's what I count as a high value. I want to finish the course. I want that for my life. I want that for the life of this church that we might complete the ministry. What is the ministry? To proclaim the gospel of grace to Waco and to the world and to the future generations and to the lost and to the unchurched. I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus. One of the interesting things about the thought of future generations is almost everyone in this room, there's someone in this church that's younger than you are. I mean, even some of our, our college students that are here, some of our middle school students that are here, some of our elementary school students that are here, statistically speaking, there's probably someone on this campus right now who is younger than you. In fact, that's true of everybody except one person on this campus. I don't know who they are, but it's the youngest one on this campus. 
They're the only one that didn't have someone underneath them in, in age. Let me give you this statement. One of the most profound and righteous ways to live life is to live it for future generations of Christ followers. It's one of the most noble ways you and I can spend our life here on earth. I would say biblically, it's one of the most righteous things that we can do is to live our lives with the future generations in sight, in view, within the scope of compassion, the scope of the gospel, the scope of discipleship. So what would it look like for you and I these coming 18 months to live for future generations? College students, what would it look like for this next 18 months for you to live for middle schoolers and high schoolers and elementary age students and middle school students and high school students? What would it look like for you to live for elementary age students and preschoolers? And those my age, I don't want to sound depressing, but you do know that we're closer to death than we are our birth, right? Like we're, we're, we're headed that direction, not backwards. What if we spent whatever chapters that God has left for all of us in this room on noble, righteous things such as the future generations. The future generations of Christ followers that we may know well, they may be your son, your daughter, your grandson, your granddaughter. It may even be a son and a daughter, grandson, granddaughter you don't even know of right now. But fast forward 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. What if we lived in a noble, righteous way this year? considering the future generations of Christ followers. Would you stand with me, please, and let's pray together. Father, this is a lot. A lot of information, a lot of money, a lot of thoughts, a lot of initiatives, probably a lot of uncomfortable thoughts right now in this room, maybe a lot of questions. But God, before we get to our, our questions, before we get to the absorption of all this information, before we consider giving, God, we want to consider you and your faithfulness toward us, your grace toward us, your blessings toward us. In fact, not just grace, but grace multiplied by grace given to us certainly in salvation and the cross and an empty tomb, but even in present graces we see in this church family as you have brought wonderful people here. Father, we surrender ourselves to you. Our own hearts and the heart of this church to your will, to your perfect and pleasing will. God, for future generations of those who will hear of Christ, to be discipled in the faith, to become disciple makers themselves. God, forgive us that so often we're thinking of, of, of our own lives, our own possessions, and we count ourselves as having value. We count ourselves as being precious. God, what is of value is the calling, the course of ministry, to testify to the gospel of God's grace. So by your grace, would you allow us to be a church that reaches and connects to future generations? In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Can I ask you to use this next song just as a song of surrender? 
maybe to, to lay down the questions, maybe even to lay down the pushback for, you know, just for a day. And thank God, before I even think about all these things, about giving, about what I think about this campaign, God, first I just want to surrender everything to you. I would also call on you, Highlanders, if you would be willing to come and kneel here at the front and to pray for God's guidance, God's blessing, God's counsel as we move forward. And if God needs to redirect this vision, our, our hands are wide open to him to redirect any of these visions. So if you come forward and, and, and pray, we're not registering that as you're 100% behind it. We're just saying, would you like to come and pray for this church family and all that God has for us in the days ahead for the sake of the gospel and the lives of future generations? We have some staff members here at the front. Maybe the last thing on your mind today is a campaign and initiatives and $6.1 million. Maybe you're just thinking, my family is hurting. My marriage is hurting. I'm anxious. I'm depressed. I have questions. We have some staff members here at the front. They'll be, they'll be facing you. If you want to come and pray with them, they'd love to pray with you. We also have our elders in the far corners. Elder and spouse will be in my far left, far right. If you're here today with this with a sickness, a surgery that's coming up, and an illness, they'd love to pray for you. They'd love to anoint you with oil, as it says in James chapter five, and pray a prayer of healing over you. So the invitation is to sing a song of surrender to the Lord and to come and kneel before him and ask for him to guide his church family. Let's sing. And once you please come.